This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello and welcome to the Husker Cuzcast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast for all podcast updates and more. We have a great show tonight as we welcome back the college football professor himself, Adam McClintock. What's up, Adam? Not much, guys. What do you know? Oh, man. All things are good. You know, we met up with you in Tulsa a couple months ago, uh, had a few beers, talked a lot of Nebraska football. Would you have guessed that two months later there would have been all these changes in college football with a playoff expansion and now the stuff going on in Lincoln with Bill Moose. I mean, isn't it crazy? Oh, it's it's the off season that just keeps giving, doesn't it? My goodness, it, there, there's, there hasn't been a slow weekend, I feel like, this entire offseason. Usually you, you get a, a chance to catch your breath, but not this year. But, you know, that's coming off a of COVID year, I, I think that uh, we're just getting our, 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 our money's worth. <laughs> no doubt. Well, we – Initially brought you on to talk about your analytical uh, college football preview that you just uh, published on Friday, but we got to ask you about Bill Moose, uh, athletic director at Nebraska. He got retired. He's no longer there. They haven't hired an athletic director yet, uh, but what, are, what were your thoughts when Bill Moose uh, was let go? Well, I was I was shocked to hear it, it happen so quickly. I thought that he would at least be um, able to to finish out his term, like he said he was wanting to. Um, but um, obviously, there was a communication disconnect going on there in the in the athletic department, and I think you know the whole Oklahoma scheduling debacle kind of highlighted that and kind of gave us a, a sneak peek. Looking back on that event, it kind of gives you, I think, a sneak peek of how the entire athletic department may have been run you know, the past six months or during COVID or, or, or whatever, because, you know, um, something like that, that, that is able to develop to the point it did without the athletic part, athletic director knowing kind of shows you to the extent that he had kind of maybe, maybe removed himself from the athletic department. So um, in, in that, in that case, when you have a 70 year old athletic department, athletic director who is, on the verge of retirement and you have a, a, a football coach, if there was a rift between those two, um, you're probably going to roll with the young football coach who, who you, you, you've invested so much stock into. Um, and I think that's why he got retired when he did. And, you know, the time was apparently right for him to retire now instead of at the end of his term. Right. Yeah. So. Tyler, what did you think of that whole situation? I mean, I'm with you. I was shocked. I mean, you you know, you talk about all the things, um, you know, about why maybe the time was right. But for me on the outside, I'm thinking you have the, the new football facility. It's a in progress. You're getting done. You know, you're very close to the finish line with that. You know, um, you have a lot of ups and downs. You just had a great baseball season uh, the, it, from a retire actual retiring standpoint. There is a near zero percent chance that he was like, yeah, I really want to retire right now. Like there's no professional context that would make that make sense. So when you say got retired, like he's alluded to it, like there anyone who's trying to spin it that maybe he just wanted to retire. Like 
that's not that's not the situation. Um, it's very clear. So the whys, I don't think we'll ever fully know. Um, you know, I, I think that some things that I've heard from some pretty reliable sources is that some boosters has some major concerns um, in recent weeks about the way he was handling um, some of the uh, off the field or, or on the field uh, festivities heading into 2021. Um, in particular, going to Norman, um, Oklahoma supposedly had made some pretty cool offers to honor Nebraska former teams in different ways. And he wasn't really about it. And there was just a lot of the on the field festivities that he wasn't quite hitting home the way that a lot of boosters and a lot of support really wanted to. Um, so, I mean, there were some rifts there. I, I, I don't know if those contributed. Um, it's just it's really interesting. Derek, your thoughts? You know, I'll tell you my first thought when when the news came out. My first thought was, eh, let's wait and see if this is true because it seems like right after he got hired, there was a lot of talk about him getting fired over some alcohol related issues, and no, and nothing ever came of it. So I was kind of like, at first, I was like, yeah, well, let's wait and to see if this actually happens. But when it actually happened, I was like, okay, it it doesn't make sense. Like none of it makes sense. But the more I'm hearing about him not being around. Wanting to spend more time on his ranch. Uh, I've heard that from several different people. I've heard there was a possible DUI. There, there's so many rumors going around. I don't know what the truth is. Like Tyler said, there, we'll probably never know what all the truths are when it comes to this. But uh, I I guess whatever. So be it. See you later. You know, I'm, we're going to get our next guy in. I, I don't care who our athletic director is. I, they don't affect me one way or the other. But it was a shock. Adam, is this a bad thing for Scott Frost? Um, depending on who they bring in next, um, I, I think I think if 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 the prevailing favorite comes in, you know, Ed Stewart, I think is is kind of the, the prevailing favorite to to get the job um, from everything I'm I've I've heard. Um, you have if you read his philosophy and, and and what he learned at the University of Missouri when he was there during Pinkle's years and how. Um, his his idea is uh, you have to be patient with the coaching staff and, and and allow them to develop their their philosophy before you you make judgment. I think that's a good thing for Scott because I, I think that kind of kind of goes along with with what Scott's needing out of an athletic director right now is a, is a little grace and a little patience for him to develop uh, his his plan of action going forward against the Big Ten Big Ten competition. If it's somebody like um, if it's somebody like Jamie Pollard or somebody that maybe is it Scott's, you know, is in Scott's corner, then maybe he's, his, his seat is starting to heat up a little bit and, and he starts to feel that. Um, so I, I think it just really, really depends on, on who that next hire is and, and what their, their philosophy is coming in. Regardless, if the guy who hires you gets fired, that can't feel good. I mean, he, he, he can't, he can't be resting as easy tonight as he did two weeks ago. <laughs> That's just right. Put it that well, way. In a way, Scott Frost kind of has that ace up the sleeve, you know, with that, Five million, five-year uh, buyout. You know, twenty-five million dollars if they do let him go. So he has that going for him. So that makes a tough decision on the administration. But what about his assistant coaches? I mean, I bet they're really not sleeping good at night because maybe you know, if you don't even say you go six and six and it doesn't like look like good football, and the reason that you're six and six is the offensive woes are still there. You know say a running back still doesn't show up quarterback development is still poor, whatever. There's some of those offensive coaches. I bet 
that there's a, there's a better chance that they get replaced one or a couple, whatever, than Scott Frost there. I, I tend to agree with you there. And, 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 you know, say an athletic director like Jamie Pollard does come in and says, Hey, you know, Scott, what do you need to make this successful? What do you need to, you know, to, to get this, this ball rolling in the right direction? I will provide you, I will spend the money to, to help you get to what you need to get it going. But in six months, if those results don't come true, then, um, then I think there's got to be some real tough conversations had between Scott and, and the athletic director, whoever it is, is, is hired. Meanwhile, you get a guy in there like Ed Stewart, who is going to be patient and let the ball roll. Then I think that allows everybody to be a little more easier this year and kind of, uh, extends our leash a little bit longer than, than what it already is. So looking in hindsight, after the stuff, the allegations that have happened, was Bill Moose, was he the, was he a good hire for Nebraska? Well, you know, I think he came in and, 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 he, and, he, and he hired all the people that, that the majority of the people wanted him to hire. He got Scott Frost. He got Fred Hoiberg. He got um, um, Will Bolt in, in, in place and for, for, for baseball. I mean, he's made some good hires. The, the foundation is there for an athletic director to come in and really have some success with this athletic department. I mean, the next athletic director isn't inheriting a dumpster fire. I mean, right. it's, 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 it's set up nice. It's, it's not like your typical situation where an athletic director gets run off. It's, it's things are set up. The foundation is there for, for a young athletic director to come in and really just put it on cruise control and, 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 and get going. But, but uh, so in that aspect, I think he did a, a, did a good job, but he may have been a little bit too hands off towards the end here. And I think that's kind of why he got asked to retire. I think. Derek, what do you think? I, I agree with Adam. I look, I, as far as I'm concerned, I, again, I'm not hundred percent sure what all an AD does. I don't follow around. I don't follow ADs. There's maybe three athletic directors out there. I could really name of who they are, but at the end of the day, your job is to hire and fire guys. He did that. He got all the all the, all the coaches that the fan base wanted. He, like like Adam said, he got Scott Frost. He got Fred Hoiberg. Uh, he got Will Bolt, which I think some Nebraska fans kind of went, "Huh, this is who we're getting." And it turns out so far he's had the most success out of the three. Uh, so I think now everybody's on on the on the Will Bolt bandwagon, which is awesome. Uh, so, so as far as that portion of his job, I, yeah, I think he did just fine. I think he came in and did exactly what he was supposed to do. Uh, when it comes to the fundraising stuff, uh, it does sound like he allocated that to all the other people in the department. He didn't want to get involved in it. And if, that, and if that's the case, I don't know if it makes it a bad hire, but you see why he got ran out of there, I guess. Tyler, do you have anything to add? Well, I, I'm maybe in a little bit different corner. I agree with everything you guys said. He made the right hires. But I think that you look at what's gone on in the Nebraska athletic department. And Justin, you talked about this in an offline conversation, and there's been articles written since then about the instability in Lincoln in the athletic department. And I think that Bill Moose, he didn't turn 70 overnight. Like this wasn't like this was never going to be a 20 year plan with Bill Moose to bring him in. We knew he was old. I, I you know. The, the ranch of Montana, he didn't purchase that a year ago. Like this, this is not a, I, I feel like there, there's a little bit of due diligence where you're like, you got kind of the guy that you hired. I, I don't think that, uh, you know, him being a little hands off, like I, from day one, I didn't see him as a super hands-on guy. 
Like, I mean, so I think you got who you hired. Um, and, and at the end of the day, I think that, you know, he did the right hires. I don't think it was a bad hire, but I, I mean, it's more instability. And I really hope this new guy that they bring in is a guy that can be a 20 year plan, a 15 year plan. Um, you know, one interesting thing. And before we get off this is someone talked about this. I want to say, Brian, I might get this wrong. So correct me, but Brian Christensen, uh, came out and, uh, talked about NIL and about how the new athletic director really, uh, should embrace it. And I cannot agree with that more. I think that is a huge landscape change in college football. And not that this is why Bill Moose is leaving, but to get a guy in there, that's like forward thinking where there isn't a playbook. There isn't, this is how you should run this. This is how you need to manage it. You're going to need to be innovative. You're going to need to be creative. Um, And I think that if you do that, right, you can set the athletic department, not just the football program, you can set them up for decades if you hit this thing out of the park. So I, I think the timing with that kind of helps make sense. I don't think Bill Moose was going to be that guy. Um, and so I, th- I'm really, really anxious to see this higher and how they embrace certain things like that. All right, Adam, let's uh, move on to your, uh, the anal- analytics college football preview for 2021. You just uh, published this on Friday, like 174 pages of, numbers and great stuff in there uh first of all i gotta ask you how challenging was it to come up with this preview this year in a year with super seniors and the transfer portal and and all the stuff that you you know you haven't really had to endure the last few years because this is what 10 years now or 11 years for you uh 10 years it started 2008 so no so it's 13 years oh my goodness wow. yeah 13 years so yeah, no, it was, dude, it was brutal. It was brutal because, you know, typically I, I, I can go and maybe there's one or two sources I use to kind of determine returning starters and, and actually who's coming back. And, you know, cause you, you have the, you have the, uh, the transfer portal you look at and you have your, um, you know, NFL, you know, early, early draftees. Right. Yeah. So those are really the two things you have to check in the offseason. Typically this year you had to check you know, those two things. And then also you had to check, you know, which seniors were, were not going to be asked back um, because a lot of the G5 schools who don't have the budget that some of these bigger P5 schools have, they couldn't get the seniors back and have all those scholarship numbers like most of these, you know, power five schools do. So you had to figure out which seniors are, are allowed to come back, which ones were starting, who played, who played a, a significant role in last year's season. And some, some were abbreviated seasons like the PAC 12. Um, it was a bunch of things. It, it typically, I have that, that, that preview out. Uh, this my spring preview t- typically comes out in like early March this year. It was late April and was May. I think when the spring preview came out and then, and then I was able to kind of buckle down and get this one out in, in, in mid July uh, for, for the fall preview. That way it, it didn't drag on into, into uh, mid to late August. But but yeah, it was it was a lot more work this year, and uh, hopefully we I got it as as accurate as accurate as possible. Did you ever question yourself, like if you wanted to continue this as much of a pain as it was? Oh, <laughs> man, sometimes <laughs> I, I'd be over there with like three spreadsheets open, and my wife would look over at me like, you know, what is your life? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm like, well, this is this is kind of it right now. Jeez, <laughs> oh, so. I couldn't imagine. Uh, one of the things that I always enjoy reading is the uh, coaching grades and the coaching rankings. Uh, so all of FBS. I want to ask you, which coaches 
are uh, trending up and uh, which coaches are trending down. And I just kind of interested in the biggest moves. Well, from from last year to this year, um, the biggest moves have been, uh, well, Jeff Brom, he, he went from number five in the country last year down to number 10 this year. Um, he's having a little bit of a drop off, still B plus graded coach. Still, he's 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 one of the top coaches in the Big Ten, um, does a lot with what he has there at Purdue. Um, even though that's just, you know, eligibility, but you go back and produce history before him and you, then, and you look and see how many times they're eligible and you can really appreciate what he's actually doing there. Um, Ken Niamatololo went from, um, uh, number six, clear down to number 44. He took a huge drop off the cliff this last year, just because of, of how unprepared Navy Navy was, um, due to COVID. Yeah. And, you know, you know, I expect him to bounce back. He's, he's, he's a good coach. Um, but he took, he took a quite a tumble. Um, he's still a B grade coach, but he, he did, he took a pretty big tumble in the rankings. Uh, Matt Campbell jumped from 15 to eight. Um, he had himself a season in Ames. So, um, which I expected that he's, he's been one of the ones who have, who has been burning bright since he was at Toledo. So he continues to, to rise up the rankings. Um, Tom Allen jumped from 63 to 21. Um, yeah, he, he had himself a season in, in, in Indiana as well. I mean, he, he, um, and he, he'd been slowly trying to, you know, slowly climb up the rankings. Um, but he took a massive jump last season. And then, um, a guy named Scott Frost dropped from 50 to 87 last year. He went the wrong direction. So um, hopefully that can stabilize for our team of interest. But uh, yeah, those, those were the big movers that I picked out from, from 2021. Um, who are some, who are some coaches you guys think should uh, have been a huge move and not. So it's interesting. You bring up Jeff Braun because that's the one that stood out to me as I'm looking at the rankings, you know, you, you kind of scan down and you see Jeff Braun at 10 I was like, what is he doing up there? Uh, just, I guess over the last couple of seasons, they haven't been that great. And I know he was high in your model uh, in previous years, but I guess I would have expected him to drop off a, a lot more. Uh, <laughs> but so what, what is the model like about him? Well, what he's done at, at Purdue is he is uh, the recruiting profile has, has jumped clear off the clear off their their, their historical you know levels. It, he's recruiting much better at Purdue than they ever had. Immediately, he immediately flipped that roster as far as talent is concerned. You you didn't you didn't used to see players like David Bell and and Rondell Moore coming out of Purdue. It yeah. just it didn't happen. Um, also, just just the fact that you know they were winning one and two games a year for. I don't know how many years, six or seven years in a row. And he immediately got there and started winning six, seven wins, you know, a season, five wins, you know, here, here and there, I guess. But uh, uh, you double and triple a, a team's expected win total. That's going to, you know, that's going to, that's going to really bump up your, 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 your coaching rating pretty quickly. And, you know, that's what these coaching ratings are all about is it's, it's easy to look at somewhere like Clemson where you have all the talent and all the advantages and say, okay, those are good coaches. But, you know, how many coaches would be that successful with that talent and with those advantages? So this is looking at somewhere like Purdue or somewhere like um, Louisville or somewhere like that, that maybe doesn't have all the advantages. And yet those coaches are, are, are exceeding expectations from a, pro, from a program standpoint at those at those locations. So when uh, when your model spit out all the teams, I'm going to move to the team projections now. Hmm? What teams really surprised you this year, whether what the record uh, predicted record was going to be? 
Um, USC was one that kind of surprised me. It's, it's got them up to number seven in the power rankings. And um, I'm anxious to see how accurate the model is this year with the Pac-12 teams because there was such a small sample size last season. And there's a couple Pac-12 teams who I think the model have, may have inflated a little bit. But I don't mess. I don't ever mess with the numbers because I want to keep it as 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 pure and as you know, as 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 uh, you know, unsubjective as I can. And, and USC up at seven kind of surprises me a little bit. Washington clear up to thirteen also surprises me a little bit. Um, I'm not real, not a huge fan of their coaching staff have there right now. So I, I'm anxious to see how that that all plays out. Um, also, uh, I was kind of surprised that uh, Cincinnati was way down at 20. I expected them to maybe maybe be a little bit higher, maybe up in that top 15 range, uh, but they were not there. Um, other than that, that that's kind of that's, those are kind of the teams that stood out the most to me. Uh, is there any teams of you guys that jumped out and said, "Hey, well, what's going on here?" Well, Cincinnati I'll, I'll was say one. This. Oh, go ahead, Derek. I'll say this: the the one team that's jumping out to me. And it's not just your model. It's every magazine out there and your model included with Penn State. Mm-hmm. They struggled so mightily last year, and everyone's just bumping them right back into number two in the conference. Uh, you know, they, I, I think what I don't remember your 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 model hasn't projected going ten and two. Mm-hmm. I I guess I need to see some results before I can believe that one. Yeah, you you look at the, a lot of those games they had last year. A lot of it, um, it's it's tough to take anything definitive out of, out of last season. I mean, it it really is. Penn State they had a, a lot of issues on offense last year, and some of that was due to you know, the, their first year offensive coordinator and uh, uh, Kirk Soroka, who had come over from Minnesota, and apparently he did not necessarily mesh very well with the rest of the staff. There was a lot of communication errors there with him. So he, he only got one year there. He's gone. Uh, Mike Yurcich is now there, who is a proven, excellent football coach. So uh, we should see an immediate immediate improvement in the offense. Our defense wasn't necessarily a problem last year. So um, they should be back to be, be be back to being Penn State. But like you said, that that is a that, that's a good observation. That, that's a team that we'll have to keep an eye on and 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 see if they are truly back or if last year was was just a blip. Well, and the thing about about Penn State last year too was a lot of the reason their offense seemed to struggle was the quarterback was so inconsistent. I, I know in the Nebraska game, I think they went through at least two quarterbacks, if not a third one, coming in. And Sean Clifford just was not impressive last year at all. And I see a lot of people bumping him back up to being this great quarterback, and I'm like, maybe. But <laughs> we all we all thought Adrian Martinez would have a back turnaround year again too, and that didn't seem to happen. So. There's obviously no guarantees in football, but but man, I, Penn State intrigues me because I'm not quite on board with everybody that they're going to just jump up to that being back to a 10-win team. Dirk, since we're in the Big Ten Conference now, go ahead with your questions. All right. Well, one of them was Jeff Brom, and I, I got to tell you, just, just to throw it out there, I had that guy closer to a hot seat than being the best coach in the Big Ten. Uh, your model knows a hell of a lot more than I do. But he he has kind of dropped off the last two years. You know, he was won six games, I think, two years in a row. Got bowl eligibility, but then he went four and eight. And again, I know I know when you said last year is so hard to really put much stock into, but he went two and four. Uh, it just seems like they're, they're kind of heading in the wrong direction. But we'll see. But we'll, we'll see what happens this year. Yeah, you're, and and that's 
that's completely fair. I mean, he's, he's, he's been sliding down the ratings a little bit the last couple of years. Um, but I think what the model likes the most about him, and I, I, I don't argue with you, it, Purdue hasn't been as, as impressive the last couple of years as they were the first couple of years of his tenure there. Um, uh, but he also had, you know, Rondell Moore kind of played half a season in the last two seasons. Yeah. He had a couple, you know, big time defensive players who are playing in the NFL now who were hurt most of their senior, senior, senior season. So he's had quite a bit of bad luck on the injury, on the injury front as well, and still being able to pull out, you know, five wins a year at, at Purdue somewhere that traditionally was winning one and two games before he got there. Well, and I will chime in there on that too, just quickly. Like I, again, I think we're all in the same boat, but I will say, I do remember that Purdue, like I was thinking about this the other day that when you looked at the big 10 and that's one thing that going into this year, I don't see as a layup team, but for a very long time, Purdue was that team. And I think that with, with what Brom has done, not that they're a great team, not that they're, you know, going to win the conference, but I don't think anyone views Purdue as a layup anymore. Um, I mean, you can, I mean, they're, they are, they are, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna test you. And if you don't bring a game that is worth it, they could beat you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I could definitely, um, appreciate why he is so highly regarded because Purdue wasn't that team five years ago. Yeah. Brahms beat uh, frost two, two or three years. Yeah. Just to throw that. Justin always loves to throw out Nebraska's losses. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's so many to choose from, Derek. So, so I want to go into Illinois. Okay. And again, I'm going to talk about Brett Bielma here. Yeah, he was ranked, I thought, a little high, but I think you have him at, you have him at number nine with a B ranking. But your projected record for Illinois is one and eleven. Uh, mm-hmm. There's three toss-up games for him, but the record or the, your your projection has him losing to UTSA. And uh, I, Maryland, Rutgers, I, 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 that seems like a drop off from Lovey Smith to me. Like, they're you only know, and, yeah, they, there was, there's, there's a massive, um, there's, there, there was a, 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 going to be a massive roster change further than there. I mean, you go from Rod Smith's hurry up shotgun offense to Brett Bielema's, you know, he wants a big offensive lineman. He wants to grind things out. He wants to run the football. Um, they're going to have a little bit of culture shock there. I think the first year um, and they're returning. Uh, they're returning. Uh, um, oh, the returning production wasn't that impressive on the offensive they're, they're side of the ball. offensive line, like the whole offensive line, the whole defensive line. Uh, they, they had a lot of returning starters. I, I know the production mm-hmm. wasn't there, but they're, I don't, yeah, that might be short. That would be a little bit of shortage of production period anyway. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so, so I think he, he might, uh, Illinois, I expect him to struggle in the first year. Like I, now that you say that I was surprised also to see them losing the UTSA. Um, We'll, we'll see what happens in that game. It's, com- it's coming off the Nebraska game, so hopefully, you know, hopefully for us Nebraska fans, that's because we beat them up so bad that they're <laughs> that they're that they're struggling yeah. to you know to, to, to get you know, uh, get, get it back together in week two. But but you know, we'll 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 see how that goes. Um, 
I, I expect them probably be closer to that four and eight ceiling by the end of by, by the end of the season. Um, Bielema, I know he gets a lot of gruff for 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 the way he he ran things at Arkansas, but you look at Arkansas since he left, and there's a pretty big drop off there. Um, I think he maximized at Arkansas what he you know could have done there. I know Bobby Petrino did some good things with with Arkansas back before he back before Bielema was hired, but. You win six and seven games a year at Arkansas and, and, and the SEC West, trying to run the type of football that he did. Uh, that's that's an accomplishment. It, it, it is, you know. I, I know Arkansas fans probably don't like to hear that, but but uh, to me, that's not a, a disappointment. He, he he did good things down down in Fayetteville, and and I think that that's why he retains a B grade and, and is where he's at. That's fair. Uh, next team I'm going to go into is just because I completely agree with your model here mm. and a team that I see dropping off this year because of the lack of returning starters is Northwestern. Uh, mm-hmm. You got, you haven't projected at like six and six. Uh, mm-hmm. Your model does. I'm sorry. Uh, but you also have them as one of the most volatile teams out there. And cause they can go anywhere from three and nine to nine and three, mm-hmm. not a lot of confidence. There. They're in, in a total of six toss up games. Uh, but that's pretty standard for Northwestern. Like their games are always toss-up games. It seems like um, that's how they like where to play do you it. See them being because I, I like you have you have them losing to Nebraska at, at, at in Lincoln, but it's a very very slim margin. And you know a lot of this comes down at Northwestern. Those how quickly up to speed can they get their new defensive coordinator, uh, Jim O'Neill. Um, because because we we've all seen Northwestern play for the past you know four or five or however long Nebraska's been in the Big Ten you know the tells eleven we, we we know the type of football they want to play they want to play close to the vest they want to get you in that fourth quarter um and close enough within striking distance and 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 win with with defense and special teams and and maybe a a player here a play or two here or there on offense I think Mike Bajakian was a big upgrade last that last year I I said he was going to be a big upgrade last year I feel like he was. Um, Mike Hankowitz losing him on the defensive side of the ball could be just as bad in the, in the, in the, in the other direction for Northwestern. We'll see what Jim O'Neill has. We'll see how much Pat Fitzgerald is going to get involved with that defense. And uh, we'll see how much of a, how much of a drop off that truly was. Cause Hankowitz was one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. Um, that's not going to be easy to replace. Now I, I, I want to talk to you one more thing about your model here. And it's about toss up mm-hmm. games. Uh, what what's your cut cutoff for toss up games? Because like Rutgers at Northwestern, it was a toss up game, and you have it has Rutgers winning at like four point oh four, and then you get to the Oklahoma Texas game, and it's not a toss up game, but Oklahoma's favored by four point five five. So you're talking about like a half a point here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four point five is the cutoff. Oh, 4.5. four point five. is the cutoff. I, I've okay. I've found. Going oh, back since point oh five was what stopped that from being a toss. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. exactly. All right. Oh. Yeah, that's one of the things that I really love about your model. When you push these out, because we're a bunch of degenerates, we love to gamble. We love the college football lines, and you have the lines for every single game out there. So that is the part that I'd love to look at. You know, being a Nebraska guy, I automatically go to Nebraska and see which games that were favored in and, you know, all, all that good stuff that, and then you have this, the, the confidence level. And I just love that you put that in there because some of them, like, I think uh, like Oklahoma Clemson, 
your confidence level on those or the model's confidence level is like a 10 on both of those. And you have several 10s, but some of them like uh, Northwestern. I mean, Northwestern, what what was the confidence four. level? Like a four, four, four? Okay. Yeah, it's like, well, with all the toss-up games. So I, I, I don't know. I just love the numbers, and I love just seeing stuff like that. So that's what I really enjoy about that. Well, I, I got to get into the Nebraska stuff. We, we, we beat around the bush. And, and before I do this, Adam, I want you to know that the chance to meet you and talk to you and, and, and getting to know you is one of the great, uh, great things that we've done out of this podcast. Um, definitely enjoyed having you on. I respect the hell out of you, but I feel like you're out of your damn mind with where you have <laughs> Nebraska. And I, you, you know, I, I work in numbers for a living. And if, if I put together a model that said what it said about Nebraska, I'd be like, that doesn't pass the sniff test. So for, for the people that haven't read, um, kind of give a synopsis, you have the ceiling for Nebraska uh, at seven and you have the floor at three wins. I think it's more of nine and six. So tell me what you are seeing in the numbers that makes the model not like Nebraska and and, and l- let me try to convince you that that your model's wrong that we're not really that bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, what hey hey I want to fight my model every year when I see Nebraska's projections, so I'm right there with you. But uh, um, I, I tell you what, the, the what it, it really lacks this year was this re- the re- lack of returning production on offense. It doesn't give our offense any credit at all, and and then you lose Wondell Robinson. And it tanks it even more. Um, so it, it doesn't. I mean, it's it's a cold calculating machine. That's that, that's all it is. It doesn't see you know Samari Ture coming in or Omar Manning coming on or you know the the the, the our, our tight ends you know coming 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 in, in, into form. It doesn't see those things. All it sees is is a bunch of running backs who have never done anything. Our best wide receiver. Uh, and, and basically our best offensive weapon off of a bad offense last year is now gone. Um, that's, that's what it sees. And it, and it says, okay, these guys are going to have to win with a lot of defense because it does like our defense. Our defense is why we are at five and seven and not at three and nine. So um, it does like our defense returning production. And that's, it has us skating by a lot of these games because of our defense. Uh, now if our offense, now th- that's, that's the great thing about this model is we get into into week one or week two and the offense is exploding. I feed that data into this, uh, into this model and it updates itself. So, um, um, this is just a, a base starting point for the in season model is, is what you're seeing here. Huh. So, um, 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 we get, you know, one or two weeks in and, and, and the offense is going nuts. These numbers will improve. But as of right now, if 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 things are as you know they 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 have shown to be in the past thirteen years that this thing has been active, our offense isn't looking good. No, I, I think that a lot of fans would agree with that, um, and I can see that. So a quick question that's a little bit um, I wasn't going to ask this, but a player like Samori Tori um, coming in. Um, in general, when you look at a transfer player, how do, do you take that into consideration when you look at returning production? Um, if someone actually got playing time D one, um, and if not, if so, would Tory fall in that category since he wasn't technically, uh, FBS next last year, the way I, I, the way I do transfers, and this is something that takes a lot of time is if it's a like program, 
and they've got starts and they have production at a like program, then I will transfer it over. But if a kid is transferring from Western Kentucky to Clemson or Western Kentucky to to to, to, to Nebraska or or, or, so, or something like that, that isn't going to equate. That's not going to translate. Um, so so Samari Toure coming from FCS at Montana, none of those numbers counted. Huh? None of those numbers count towards the model. And that makes sense. I, I would buy that. So I, I, I completely respect and understand that reasoning. So um, also looking at the model, one thing that was interesting that stood out for Nebraska is Lubick is listed as offensive coordinator. You have him listed mm-hmm. as a, this is his first year as offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. So, and, and refresh my memory last year, did you have frost as our offensive coordinator still? Yes. Last year, frost was calling the plays um, up until the Rutgers game. Yep. During the Rutgers game, he handed play calling duties over to, to Lubick where frost still had input, but the, 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 the plays that were being called were, were, were Matt Lubick. And that will, will, will be the case going forward from what I have read and what I understand. So, so, um, would it help Nebraska or hurt Nebraska if Frost was actually still as their offensive coordinator? Uh, it would actually hurt Nebraska a little yeah. bit. So it's it's. Come on, Tyler, you've seen the games. Yeah, I, I, I was I was hoping for a different answer, um, but definitely, uh, uh, yeah, you, you didn't give it to me because I, I think that will be an interesting development. Like, mm-hmm. um, how does that go? I think that again, I think we're all with you. I think we expect Lubick to. Um, be a lot more influential on play calling than we we hired him. Um, I don't think anyone saw him taking that over. Um, so look, looking at this, uh, knowing that the output was five and seven ultimately um, this season, what was the most surprising result as a Husker fan when you looked at the numbers and you're like, hey, at the end of the day, like really that we won by that much, we lost that game. Like, what was the most shocking thing to you when you looked at this uh, the model for Nebraska? A um, couple things. Um, one, the loss to Michigan State. It's it's less than one point, um, but I don't expect us to lose at East Lansing as a fan. I, I expect to go in and win that football game, even after Oklahoma. You know, we we might get drilled by Oklahoma, but I think we 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 can come back strong in East Lansing and 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 win that football game. Um, another one that kind of shocked me was only losing by twelve to Ohio State at home. Um, I'd expected that to be a little bit more of a deficit than what it is. Um, those are the two big ones that, that, that I noticed. Interesting side note, the Buffalo game, um, you know, because in the spring preview, when it first came out, Lance Leopold was still the head coach of Buffalo and all those players were still coming back to Buffalo. Since that was announced and since late Leopold left Buffalo and all those players, all most of his players transferred out, that, that game line went from six, I think it was like six and a half or something like that clear up to 15. So um, it, that, that went to a, a near toss up to, to now it's, it's, it's a pretty comfortable win. So like the, the win, win percentage of, of that game is 91%. So um, that's, that's welcomed as well in a schedule like this. <laughs> oh, that, 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 you're definitely right. And looking at your model, I will tell you that, um, you know, I think that if, if yours comes true, people might want to just take October and November off Um because it definitely doesn't get there. Uh, my last question about the Huskers, and then uh, I'll, I'll stop drilling you on this, is I need you to help me out. So in a couple of weeks, uh, we're going to break down ranking our opponents, and we're going to talk them for best to worst. And the game, the, the two closest, in my opinion, are Iowa-Michigan. 
So when, when you are looking at those two from an opponent standpoint, tell Husker fans which game um, help me figure out which one is the tougher game between Iowa and Michigan heading into 2021. Hmm. What the model says, the model says that Iowa is going to be the tougher game in Lincoln. Um, From just a flow of the of the season. I think that Michigan game is probably going to be more pivotal. We need to win. Back up. Nebraska needs to win that Michigan game. Okay, they need to win that Michigan. That that is a, a, a pretty crucial uh, um, um, watershed point right there, because if Nebraska can, 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 can beat Illinois, beat Fordham, beat Buffalo, they're going to drop the game in Norman. If they can come out and, and, and beat Michigan state and beat Northwestern, you're going into that Michigan, Michigan game with one loss and you're feeling pretty good. If you can get by Michigan, um, I don't think you're losing in Minneapolis. I don't think you're losing in Minneapolis. So you, you could very well get to that second half of that, of that of that schedule with one loss and that i think that would be massive for the for the direction of the program and just for the momentum of things under frost that would be exactly what frost would need i think going forward i i i was gonna let you go but i i completely agree with you i think that three game stretch northwestern to minnesota it that's the season because mm-hmm. i i think that you if you leave with the two and three or three and oh record of that stretch if you can pull that off you're, you're heading into the bye with at most two losses, if you go two and three, probably, you know, if you go three and oh, you got one loss. And again, I think that the way that the bye week set up for Nebraska, like y- you get a little bit more confidence going. You could pull the upset against Wisconsin or Iowa to end the year. You can get you can go one and one down that stretch and you get to that nine and three record again. Why I think nine and three is more of a ceiling. Uh, I think we're you believe what I believe. The numbers are lying to you. So, uh, no, I, I, I love that analysis. I think you're dead on there. Um, I, I don't know if you've completely convinced me uh, on the Iowa is a little bit tougher. I I don't buy their quarterback, but yeah, we'll we'll see what that happens there. I, I th- to me, I think the thing is with Iowa, it's coaching. Like they're going to probably out coach you a little bit. With Michigan, they have better talent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Adam, before we let you uh, get out of here, I got to talk about the playoff expansion. Uh, college football playoff, they're moving to 12 teams, as everybody knows by now. Uh, is your model prepared to handle 12 teams? Yeah, I think so, because, you know, it's uh, they're, they're going to use the exact same process they do now. I mean, it's it's it's. Uh, you get all these guys in, in, in a boardroom who are busy guys away from foot from, from their volunteer position with the college football playoff. They don't have time to watch all the game film that is, is that would, ha- that would, that would go into, you know, picking 12 teams. So they have a formula and I've, you know, I've projected that pretty easily the past five or six years. Uh, it's, it's not going to change. They're just going to take 12 instead of four. Um, and honestly, it's going to benefit the top G five teams a lot more than the mid and lower P five teams, because now if you're UCF or if you're Boise state, why would you ever want to join a power five conference now? Right. You, you, you wouldn't like if I'm, if I'm Gus Malzahn down, down Orlando, I'm doing backflips and hoping that the 12 team playoff, you know, comes to fruition because, you know, all he's got to do is win the AAC now. And he's, he's probably in. 
you know, so that, that, that's my view on it. I think, I think it also, it's going to be be more inclusive as far as who gets exposure in in the playoff, but the champions aren't going to change. I mean, you're, you're going to give Alabama, you know, those, those, those those spot years where they were left out of the playoff, you know, uh, uh, they're going to, uh, they're going to win it more often than, 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 than they're going to lose a playoff game. Um, you give Nick Saban uh, time to scout teams and, and go on one in a playoff scenario. He's going to win more of those than he's going to lose. So, so are you a fan of the playoff expansion? As a fan, yes. I think yeah. it's awesome. I think they need to get the heck out of the Bulls and do campus sites only, though. I, I, the only the only the only a neutral game I want to see is the national title game. Everything else needs to be on campuses. I want to see I want to see Alabama come up to 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 to, to Columbus. I want to see you know I want to see Clemson have to go out to to Eugene and play out there, right? In, in, in a playoff scenario, I think that takes football or college football from where it is right now, where it's fairly regional, and makes it, it turns it back into a national uh, national game again. Couldn't yeah. agree more. Well, Tyler I love hates that. It. I well. Well, what I don't like about it, real quickly, is I don't love because I th- I I think with playoffs, what people are hoping is is for is parity, and and you're you're the number guy, and you probably know this, but the percentage of like relatively even ranked teams and what that home field advantage does to that, because I imagine if you have two relatively close teams on the field and you give home field advantage to one, the home field team wins eighty percent plus in college football especially if you give a playoff atmosphere i i just i think what people want with the playoff especially with an expansion is getting a little bit of parity but i i, I but that's why i don't i i don't I, I i respect your take there i think it'd be cool to see um alabama have to come up um, but 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 that that's not uh, I, I just don't think it's a great parody. But I wanted to go back to the first thing you said about accurately predicting the model, because I have been trying to convince Justin and Derek that you have been able to act like these. This committee isn't making it up on the fly. They use a formula. They may tell the media, well, we looked at this number. They, they're, they're highlighting one thing. They use the same formula every single time. Am, am I right in that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely right. Hold, hold on. It hasn't it hasn't changed since 2014. No, no exactly. one's disagreeing that, that that Tyler is wrong. No one is t- saying Tyler is wrong on that. What we're saying is the transparency of the of the college football playoff committee has been horrible, and they've changed the criteria every year because one year it's because you didn't play in a conference championship. The next year we don't care about a conference championship game, and these are the things that they tell us. And that's where it looks like they they completely change the criteria completely. Well, they they, they got to keep the dog and pony show going, right? They got to keep that <laughs> opaque, and they got to, you know, it's it's it, they have to keep that drama there. That's that's what's selling their their ratings on ESPN for that that that, that presentation show. So they have to do that. They can't if, if they came out and said, hey, here's the process we use, then nobody's gonna watch. Nobody's gonna watch that because then you, then you can figure out yourself, and you already know. I mean, it's they, they want it to be opaque. They want it to they want you to have to watch their programming in order to figure out who's going to be in the playoff. We don't want to be lied to, Adam. That's all. That's all we want. We, just, we want the truth. We can handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> all right, Adam. Uh, let everybody know how they can find your preview and throw out your Twitter address. 
Yeah. Uh, Twitter address. You can follow me during the season there at, at CFB underscore professor uh, on Twitter. And then on Patreon, it's uh, patreon.com backslash CFB underscore professor. I, awesome. Again, re- highly recommend everyone getting on buying. I mean, I, I put it out on Twitter. I get three things every year and I, I worth money. And, and yours is one of them, Adam. And I truly mean that. So I highly recommend anyone listening, um, you know, purchasing it. Cause it is as good a breakdown by the numbers you'll see out there. So yeah. uh, thank you. I appreciate that guys. Yeah. It's so, so much fun to look at. Uh, all right. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. We're going to get you back. Uh, be sure to follow the hustle or I'm sorry. <laughs> Special thanks to our producer, Connor Russell, for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter, at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes anywhere you get your podcast. Hit that subscribe button, and don't forget to rate and review. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, go Big Red. Touchdown! It's third.